0: Um, So, if you guys can join me, uh, we're going to be continuing a series that we started on Sunday with Pastor Craig, uh, Serving God and Serving Others. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to be primarily working out of verse 10 and 11. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses uh, 10 and 11. Uh, Today's title of the sermon is Why We Serve. Um, If you weren't here this weekend, Um, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon. It was phenomenal. Pastor Craig did a great job of why we serve God. And that is really the foundation for why we're going to talk about how we serve others. Without having God as that foundation, we will not understand nor we will be effective at serving others because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us through the service in the kingdom. If we're going to serve in the kingdom of God, then we need to know our God, we need to get to know his heart. And we need to get to know what he's passionate about. It's something that I always think about, uh, especially going through uh, the different books of the Bible that we've gone through. Exodus, the book of John. Uh, we've gone through Romans and, and Ephesians now. Is it, I've always had this question kind of lingering in my head. Um, when I step into the church service, I used to come in here and go, okay, God, what do you have for me? That would be kind of like my attitude. Like, what do you got for me? That's, that's kind of like a normal, I think, attitude of people that attend church services, right? What do you have for me? Um, but sometimes I don't think we think of enough, um, what are we going to bring to the house of the Lord to love on the Lord who's been loving on us all week? And we should be thinking, what kind of a church service do you want, Lord? Do you want the church service where I come in here um, just full of anxiety and stress, and even though that might be what's going on in my life, Maybe I need to move that out of the way for a second to give God the place that he needs in my mind and in my heart. And that is what a, sacri- a sacrifice of praise looks like. It's bringing God into the proper place in my life so I can properly worship him. And so when we're talking about serving God and we're talking about serving others, this is a part of our di- our discipline as disciples, but it's also part of our worship. I want you to look at the screen. Uh, uh, it's there, it says, uh, verse 10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In its various forms. And before we dive fully into this text, I want to put a picture up on the screen, if we can, of this uh, past uh, 4th of July uh, Freedom Fest event. We went out there, and I just want to show you, this is what it looks like. Not watermelon, but Close. Here is Miss Gabby and Miss Roseanne. Miss Roseanne is Rachel's mom and she is really, really talented with making balloon animals. And so what she did is she stepped out in faith and went into the to the park and she made balloon animals all day, and that's not even the best part or even the most impressive part, and she did it in like 99 degree weather the whole day, and she made really sweaty kids and very very tired and exhausted kids very happy all day, but what happened is she had the opportunity to spread the gospel, and you can see Miss Heather Uh, that's there next to her. She's also good at making balloons. So she stepped out with the gifting that God gave her. And we were able to partner with people that are not even good at making balloons. So what did they do? They took their time to stand in the walkway and invite people to church, whether that is just having a conversation or prayer. Um, We had one gentleman come up to the tent and he said, I have stopped going to church but I'm watching you guys do something that I haven't seen in some of the other churches that I, I attended, is I've seen you step outside of yourself to love on somebody. So if God must be that good to you to make you want to do that, I want to get to know your God. And I was like, yes. I wish, I wish he was talking about me at that particular time. It was 99 degrees. I was sitting down and putting water over my head. So he wasn't talking about me. He was talking about the other other servants that were with me. But I want to go back to our Bible verse where I want you to look at the words because you can look at that and go, well, that's because Miss Roseanne's really good at making balloon animals. But look at 1 Peter 4.10. Look at the first three words. Each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So this brings us to our first point. Why do we serve? Number one, we are called by God. Who is called to serve? Everyone. It didn't say the guys that are good at balloon animals. It didn't say the people that were good at singing. It didn't even say the people that were good at teaching. What it says is each of you. Each of you are called to serve. So who is that? That's every single person in this room. I did some... Some research this past week as I was preparing for this, I wanted to see where we were uh, as a church in America, how we are at serving. And it says right now that uh, through Lifeway, they did some research. Lifeway has a lot of uh, different um, PhDs that do this. They actually poll the whole country and speak to several pastors from coast to coast. And it says about 66% of churchgoers have not yet served, ever, ever not once just think about that's two-thirds so two out of every three people haven't even served so say they did uh the poll and this i just want to get you to the last part 30 percent have said they are serving or have served and are currently taking a break and four percent are not sure not sure sure. i don't know what that meant but i was like we're not sure about what right that was my reaction i was like not sure not sure about what what are we talking about here I was like, if that's the kind of person, that probably stands when they when when you have a person with a clipboard and a pen, and you're like, would you join us? Not sure what's going on. I'm just, I'm looking for my wife. I, I don't know. I got lost in the parking lot. So I think that's that four percent. But uh, the U.S. Census has some very interesting information to say. It says about 23% of all Americans, not believers, just Americans. So in a in a census study, 23% of all Americans do volunteer for some kind of an organization, and this was taken from about 2020 to about 2021. So the American church in America is doing about 10% better than the regular population. And uh, I look at this particular Bible verse, and I see that, yes, we are doing better, but this is the call. It says, but who is he calling to serving? It says, each of you. And I looked this up uh, as a translation, and the translation came closer to the word Everyone. And you know what the the Greek word for everyone is? Everyone. (laughs) That's every single person in this room. I just want you to know that. So what he's saying in this room right now, so whether you are at home listening at this teaching or you're live in this room right now, the call if you've heard my voice or you've listened to this particular scripture, you just know that God has called you. Why do we serve? Why do we serve? Because God has called you. And I just want you to think about that. What is God's expectation of you once you become a Christ follower? Look at the word. We don't always say the word Christian in this church. Because Christian could just be Christ-like and be like, well, Christ um, ate a lot of fish and a lot of bread. So I'm Christ-like in that sense. But as a Christ follower, that means you have to follow him wherever he went, wherever he goes. So as a Christ follower, you have to ask yourself, what is God's expectation about my discipline in following him? What is my uh, expectation of my involvement in ministry? Well, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 has a really great way of summing it up. It says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. I just want you to think of how profound that word is, that word co-worker. So you have to ask yourself, am I coming here with the expectation that I'm going to work with Jesus Christ? So the number two reason why we serve is because I am a coworker with Christ. And I put in little quotations. This is for me. This came out of my Devo. Um, I actually had, I found this particular portion in my Bible and I looked at it and it said, better get to work, Joey. So I put that up there. Better show up to work if Jesus is showing up, right? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough for us, I think sometimes, um, especially in a modern day and age when so much is fine-tuned to our appetites. Um, Even in the Christian world, Uh, I can always go, like, "Ah, I don't like this teaching. I can scan forward to the teaching I like. Or I can find uh, a different podcast, right? Or I can just go to the website. I can even go to the Calvary website, and I can, like, go, I want to learn through the Bible, and then I can get to Leviticus and go, nah, skip over Leviticus, a little bloody. I don't like that Bible. Let's go to the next one. Numbers, don't like that one. Deuteronomy. Oh, Joshua, that's good. You know, like, I can do that. But that's how we are built as Americans to fine-tune what we like and fine-tune our appetites to just what makes us feel comfortable. And when I go to the movie, I'm a customer, right? And if I don't like this movie, I can leave and maybe even get my money back. If I go to a like a concert, I'm a consumer. But when I go to church, what am I? I'm a co-laborer. I'm a co-worker with the Lord. And so the Lord is saying to you right now, whether you um, want to receive it or not. And sometimes there are days that I don't want to receive this. The Lord is saying, if you are going to show up to do the work with me, understand you're going to do what I do. You are a coworker with me and we are going to do great work in each other's lives. And how are we going to do that? The same work that Christ is doing in your life, he wants you to do in somebody else's life. And that's how we change the world one life at a time. You just know this, I, I saw this, I don't know how true uh, the, the full math of it is, but it said if one person in this church once a year brought one person to this church and it helped you know foster the relationship with, with Jesus Christ and helped got them saved, that within about five to six years, not only would Sebastian be saved, not only would Florida be saved, America would be saved. And that's just by doing what? doing the work that God's called you to do. And so we have to say when God looks at us, he does not look at you as a spectator to come in here and just sit and just to listen and then to get up and to leave and that's it. And that was a great teaching and I maybe have had a rough week and I feel a little bit different, and I kind of got a spiritual washing. I actually I actually knew a guy who told me I said, "Why do you like coming to church so much?" And he goes, Because I come in here dirty every Saturday and every Sunday I come out clean. And I was like, what, is this like a car wash for you? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. I go, you have to be called to participate. And so the Lord is saying to you, you guys are not sitting in the stands. You are players on the field. You are co-laborers. You've been gifted by the spirit of God to bring ministry to God's kingdom. I want you to look at the second part of Uh, 1 Peter 4.10, where it says, first it says, each of you, so that's everyone, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Look at that word. Each of you, so that's everyone in this room, God's command, what's the next command he's gonna give us? You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So why do we serve? Because God has gifted us specifically for the job. God has specifically gifted you for the job. I want to let you know how this looks. See, some people go, well, I don't make balloon animals. I can't sing like Miss Jackie. Maybe I'm not even good at public speaking so I can never get up and teach. But does that mean God's ministry stops there and doesn't reach you? Think of how many people you come in contact with that me, Pastor Ryan, and, and uh, Pastor Craig will never meet. Think of all the people that are in your life that we will never meet, but God puts you there. And God put you there to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation in front of them so that you could express all the goodness that God is doing in you whether you're at this church service or not. And that's what the Lord is saying. I have given you so much gifting, and I want you to see where that gifting goes. If if we could cheat a little bit, it says, as faithful stewards of God's grace. And so I just want to remind you, uh, when we're talking about coming in here to church service, it's great to come in here hungry. It's great to come in here thirsty for the living word and the living water, right, of Jesus Christ, and it's great to be nourished by that. But if you don't walk that out, there is a strong possibility that you could just be a person that just gets filled up never to give. Never to give. But that is crazy because you think about this. I could be super knowledgeable about the Bible. We could go over every inch of the Bible, and it will mean nothing to the ministry and to the kingdom of God that that the Lord has laid out before you, if you never, ever let it flow through you and apply it. Never once. In fact, I think what you might be doing is setting yourself up to a place and a process for pride. Because you could like, look at me. Look at how great I am. I go to church. I do my tithing. I know the Bible in and out, but I have never shared the gospel. Means to me, I would say at some level that you don't believe that the commandments of God apply to you because the commandment of God was you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And this is not what we do just to make Jesus happy. This isn't something that we do because we're like, Jesus is sitting over there and he's just so disappointed. We do this because this is what Jesus did. He did not just come down to earth to make God happy. He came down to earth to do what? To serve. Because if he didn't, we wouldn't be here right now we would not be right here right now. And so you think about this, we are all members of the same body. If Christ is the head and we're all members of the same body, I want you to remember uh, Ephesians chapter four. I think it's so appropriate that we went through this. uh, Ephesians chapter four, verses 15 through 16, it's on the screen. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, who is the head that is Christ. So I want you to understand what it's saying. This isn't like um, a little chubby two-year-old with those Michelin arms, Michelin man arms, Michelin like they're underdeveloped and clumsy and fallen over. No, this is a mature body, which means this is a body that moves, right? So to become the mature body of, of Christ, where Christ is the head, look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work? What would you call a body part that wasn't functioning correctly? Like if you, uh, if you went to reach for something and the hand didn't open, or if you went to take a walk and the legs didn't work, what would you say to that? You know, the other day, um, I, my, for some reason, my sons were uh, like making me lay on the floor and play like with their castle. And um, my wife called me. She's like, Joey, I need your help. And I went to get up. You ever get up real fast with those pins and needles? Have you ever like caught a glimpse of yourself, maybe in a reflection of you trying to take a walk when you have a dead leg, right? And as you slam into everything and then you're embarrassed enough, I turn and look at my sons and they're embarrassed and they're looking at me with such disappointment. And I'm, like, and I'm explaining to them, like, it doesn't even matter. They're not gonna remember this 10 minutes from now because they're just little kids. They're like, my legs are not working because I laid on the floor for 10 minutes. But it's like, the, how silly does the body look at that point? Right? Because Why? The body's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Now, you would say that particular body piece was, either whether it was temporary or not, was under some kind of a disability or paralysis, right? But what if upon like, further inspection, you looked and you said, "Hey, the legs or the hands or the eyes or the, or the feet they're working fine. Why didn't they work?" That's a very, very weird moment. I and mean, I would say it's even an awkward moment when you look at the Bible verse that we just read. It says, For him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, uh, each, each part does its work. So we have to ask ourselves and go back to that, 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 that part right before, that comma. It says, grows and builds itself up in love. Did you know that I think the most I've ever grown as a Christian is when I began serving? It's when I began serving. It's when I actually stepped outside of myself and started to apply whatever gifts I had. So for me, I had a video background. I started working in the video production background, and that didn't really prepare me for what was going to take place when I started living life alongside of the people who also served in the video production. And uh, our lives became joined and there was days that some people came in and it was their turn to serve. And uh, you know what? It wasn't the best day that they had. Somebody lost a, a, a friend. Somebody else um, lost a baby. I remember there was a time where there was a lady and she was crying. Um, and she didn't know if she was going to have a home the next week. And I would say, it's not my time for that, that moment to go. It's not, I'm not interested in serving the body of Christ. That's for somebody else. That's for somebody else qualified. And the Lord would look at me and go, yeah, but you're the person that I put there. That's the body part that I put there to support the other body part. So as ligaments come together and unite and pull the muscles up, I want you to grow and build yourself up in love. I want you to put your hands on that person and pray. I want you to start doing the ministry I did. I want you to start caring for them the way that I cared for you. What would you say to the body part it would not be li- that wasn't working and it wasn't living up to its potential? You would dare say it's almost not useful It's almost not useful, but the Lord says, I know better. I know what you can do because I put it in you. So it's time for you to stop wondering if you can and start listening to the head of the body, and the head of the body is Jesus Christ. So if the head says move, the hands and feet better move. So as co-laborers, we're also under the thoughts of the Lord and the imagination. I want you to ask yourself, when God sits down and imagines what he can do in your life, what does he imagine? And is he limited by anything? Not are you limited by anything. Is he limited by anything? Now let's go back to our Bible verse. So we're gonna continue on. So first we said, each of you, which is everyone, here's the command, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that Paul put that at the end. So we know that we're called to be faithful stewards. Yes, yes. But we also know that it comes in various forms. So you can't look at Pastor Craig. You can't look at Pastor Ryan and go, Look at the ministry they have. I'll never be like that. And the Lord's like, Good, I never asked you to do that. The hand can't do what the foot can do. And neither really can the hand do what the foot can do in the same way or in the same special ability. But guess what? How far would we get if we were walking on our hands? Not very far. And so, like I said in the beginning, you have spheres of influence that God has specifically anointed you for to do the work that we as pastors could never do. But our job is to equip you, right? And so that's where it comes across as various forms. And so our fourth point is this. Why do we serve? Why do we serve? The grace we have received was not meant to stop with us, but flow through us. Who has been richly blessed by God? I want you to think about this word. It says faithful steward, not of God's superpowers, not of God's, um, you know, well, Moses got to part the Red Sea. What do I get? No, it says faithful stewards of God's grace. Who has received God's grace in this room tonight? And just think about this. It would be a shame if the river of grace were to hit a pointless dam inside of you. Imagine this flowing, rushing river, and God would be like, I can't wait for it to pour out of you. And you go, burp, nope, we're putting up a dam, we're not going to let it hit anymore. And just think of all the things that are ready to receive the grace that has been put in front of you. You know, when I first got to youth ministry, I was a little bit, um, not terrified, but more on the line like in disbelief. Like, why am I here? I don't even like teenagers, they're entitled. They smell funny. They got weird stories every day. I don't even think these stories make sense. God, why am I here? And he goes, because there is a river of grace that they have come to receive, and it's not really yours. It's mine, but it needs to flow through you. So you need to start looking at this moment as a steward moment, a faithful steward. I remember I worked at this place called, um, uh, what's it called? It's like this... Discovery zone. It was discovery zone. That's what it is. I don't know if you guys remember that. Discovery zone. I forgot. I got a brave fart there. Remember it had the ball pits and everything? Well, I got to work in the uh, the kitchen. So I got to make the hot dogs for all the parties and everything, right? And uh, I remember the day that they came to me, uh, I was only there for like, I don't know, eight months. And the guy came to me and he was like, hey, by the way, we're going to make you uh, assistant night manager. And I was like, Psh. You're right, buddy. I see leadership qualities in me too, and I said, "So what does that come with, like a, a pay increase, or what's going on?" He goes, "No pay increase." I go, "What does that mean?" So what do I do? I get a team, and he goes, "You get Charlie over there," and I was like, "I get one guy." I go, "That's it?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And I go, well, "So what does this really come?" He goes, "You have to close, and you have the key, because I don't want to stay here anymore." So, uh, so what did I became? I became the manager of the. Key, right? So that's what it means, the faithful servant. But it wasn't my key, was it? I didn't own Discovery Zone. I didn't uh, have any like ownership in it. But what I did have was I was there to serve to make sure that the owner got the work done that he needed to get done. But I also made sure that everybody there that came to have a party had a really great time. So I was serving both the master. And the servant, right? I was serving both the father and the children. I was serving both the owner and the patrons. And why was I doing that? Because I was a good steward. Sometimes we think that we are entitled to something inside of the, ge- the grace, the gift that God has given us, but we don't realize that every day, think about this, even the breath that you breathe is a gift and you can steward it to say bad things or worship the Lord. So every moment of your life has been given to you to steward to either point back to Jesus or point away from Jesus. And I want you to just kind of look at this picture on the screen. I want you to look at this first picture. The Lord has poured out so much grace, has he not? And just think on the other side of that wall. I mean, obviously, you can go to you know, parts around the world and see dams that are managing and doing things well. But imagine that on the other side of that wall, it was dry and dusty. And it was so thirsty. And the Lord is like, but I sent you. I sent you and I sent the story of us so that when you walk in that room, you don't just talk about you, you talk about what I have done in you and that the people on the other side of this will go, yes, I need that. I've been thirsting for that. That's the drink that I need. Remember the lady at the well? She ran to the village to tell everyone about the Jesus that she had met because she didn't want grace to stop with her. I would think they like this. This is what the Lord really wants from us, if you could put up that next picture. Imagine if the grace that the Lord had sent to you was never meant to stop from you because it came from an infinite source and you knew how I'm supposed to serve is I'm supposed to unleash what God is doing in me. So, how am I to serve? I'm supposed to give to others what God gave you by ministering to others with my time and my talent and my resources. So, if you don't have tons of money, great. Don't spend it, don't spend what you don't have. Give to the kingdom of God what God has given you. Has He given you the speech? The speech of grace, has he given you the words of grace? Has he poured into you um, amazing amounts of, of wisdom? Has he given you vision? Have you lived a life that you could walk into the youth room right now, and no matter what your age is, wow them with how much God has protected you and shaped you through the years and saved you? Has anyone have had a story? I would be dead today if the Lord didn't fill in the blank. Let me tell you what, teenagers stop talking when you say that. And they want to hear what comes next because they want to hear that the supernatural that we're preaching from the Bible is real. And it's never more real to them when it comes out of your mouth, out of a life testimony from you. This is how we serve. And so you have to ask yourself when you're looking through this, am I a good manager of the gifts that God has given me? Am I stewarding my time? Am I stewarding the word? Am I a manager of the, of the Bible that, the, that God has put in me? Um, if you're married... You will never, ever, um, you'll never be able to like really surpass what we do in one hour. I mean, you will surpass what we do in one hour. If you have kids, you will surpass what we do in one hour on a weekend for for the whole year. Just think about this. We could spend about 52 hours with your kids. We could spend about 52 hours with your spouse from this pulpit. But how many hours are you at home with your kids? How many hours are you home with your spouse? With the same word that we have. Over 70,000 hours, I believe that. I think that's what it comes to. So what is our 52 versus your 70? You need to go home and treat your home life as a ministry. And I just want you to know, um, we say this word a lot, ministry. Um, I didn't know this before this week, because you, know, you guys know I love to study the history of words. But the word ministry translates directly as this, intense charity. Each one of you has a ministry. So when you go home, you go home to a ministry of an intense charity. And if you've got kids, you just said amen. I want to ask you, from the grace that God has provided from you, have you felt the intense charity of Jesus Christ? Now it's your turn to give intense charity. So when we use the word ministry, you should hear that intense charity. Look at Galatians chapter 5. I love how it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So when you hear that word love, you should hear that word ministry in the way that it's intense charity. It's that agape love. It's that sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that doesn't enable a person or put up with a person or tolerate what they're doing. It's the kind of love that doesn't you know, hold back. Think about Jesus Christ. In his intense love, did he hold back in talking to the disciples? There's a couple of times he, he delivered some tough love, didn't he? But he spoke the truth in love. Why? Because there was an intense charity about Jesus. We are the same way. We are all conduits of God's grace. I want you to think about that. Every person here has the opportunity to export the grace that God has put inside them to partner with somebody else with God. So just think about this, when you partner with someone and they are a messy person, and they are maybe a smelly person, maybe they're not even a happy person, you are now that person in their life that is bringing intense charity to change their story. And the way that you know that it works is you were that messy person. You were that grumpy person. You were that smelly person. And the Lord showed up and said, my intense charity will begin a good work that will change this person's life forever. And so look at that other part where it says, we were called to be free. You know why we're called to be free to serve? Because we are no longer saddled with shame or guilt. We are set free to be children of light and not ashamed of our past. We can stand in front of people and say, look, I was just like you, but now I've been set free. Why? Because of the intense charity that God poured into me. And now I want to pour it into you. And so out of that freedom, you know what I get to do? I am free to serve in his grace. I am now, well, you know, think about this. We are not the electricity of grace. We are the lightning rods of grace. And so God would bring a lightning of grace to somebody's life and change their life. But you are just that instrument. Why would we hold it back? Why would we hold back to serve another in grace? Imparting grace to another person is ministry. So even if you're not in the back doing production, even if you're not on stage worshiping the Lord with an instrument, you are bringing the grace of God no matter where you go. It could be a homeless person in the street. It could be an annoying neighbor that parks in your grass even when you ask them not to and you put up reflectors and spiky concrete and they still find a way to park in your grass, right? And what do you do? Do you bring the wrath of the flesh or do you bring the grace of God? And this is how we become more like God. Why do we serve? Point number five. We are gifted grace to give grace. And why is this so important? Because this is how we emulate God's heart. This is how we emulate God's heart. You know, when God pulled you into his kingdom, he pulled you into it by a river of grace. Do you realize that? And just think about this, how powerful this river of grace was. If you were in that river and you were swimming against it, you lost. How do I know? You're here. You're here. No matter what God, you know, you're like, I don't want to be a part of what you got, God, yet you're here, right? Has anyone had those moments? Has anyone had any Jonah moments where not the way you say it, Lord, not that way, and yet you're still here, right? I've had plenty of moments where I said, not your way, God, but my way. And yet the river just kept dragging me back towards him. And here I am in church preaching his word. So how good did I do trying to swim against that current, right? But out of that, I have learned to find out what God's heart is like. He made me a new creation. I no longer fight that current. I go with that current. And as I go with that current, my life has become really easy because who's pushing and propelling me by grace? God. And so when I step into a messy situation to do intense charity, to do ministry, I'm not worried about my power. I'm worried about that river of grace going with me and washing over that other person. And in doing so, I have learned something amazing about my father God, his heart for his people. Just think about this. Out of his agape love, the king of heaven. And I want you to think of a king with a crown and a robe and a golden throne surrounded by a bunch of angels that don't complain and whine or like do all the things that we do on here on earth. And he went, you know what? I'm gonna go down there to those complainers and I'm gonna love them so much and I'm gonna pour out so much grace. They're gonna have no choice but to love me. I think about that. That's the mark of intense charity is that, that love that would stoop down and, and reach into somebody's life and change their life not for their betterment, but for our betterment. We are a people that are marked by grace. So no matter what the world says, when they look into this church and they see a bunch of people that love singing songs or going out to Freedom Fest and um, handing out, you know, invitations to the church, no matter what they think of us, it can't be deniable that we are a people marked by grace because we are the same people walking around at Freedom Fest, maybe The only difference between us and them is the grace of God. And so when we go out on that mission, we should go out there to say, you know what, I want to give you the one thing that you don't have, but it's the one thing that will change everything that you have. And that's what we're stewarding. We are stewarding the grace that God has given us. And so we've received our gift, and now we've been called to serve one another. I want you to think of what Jesus says to you when you actually do start to serve. Look at Matthew 23, 11. This is Jesus' opinion of you, not mine. This is Jesus Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. Isn't that an amazing admonishment from God? Just think about that. We, we use that word admonishment. It's, a, it's like a, 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 a title that is given, but it's also with accolades. The Lord would look over at the people here that would do all the work you know, that would reach out to the, to the, to the lost and the hopeless, and he would say, you know who's the greatest in this room? The servant. And not many people agree that God commanded us to serve. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, many do agree that God commanded us to serve, but not all of us walk it out. And so we have to put our faith not just in the words of Jesus, but we have to put that faith into action. We have to actually start serving. And what does that servanthood look like from Jesus? We'll look at Philippians chapter 2. I'm glad you asked me. I had a verse ready for you. Look at Jesus's verse for his idea of servanthood. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he puts advantage out of the way. He's submissive to God. Look at verse seven. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made human in likeness. You know, it's incredible Because the best way for the God of heaven to come into our lives and break down any wall that we would have to receive grace was by becoming human, walking in our world, talking in our world, suffering in our world to show us how deep and how far his love would go. And in that particular way, it was not humiliating for him to come down. It was humbling. And he was not just bowing to the needs of his father. Just think about this. He bowed down from heaven to bring the answer to your needs. And so that's how we become a people of intense charity. We practice that humility by getting down on one knee and worshiping uh, the same way that the Lord did. He got down on one knee on here on earth and served. Just think about this. Jesus came down to earth on mission. He was on a mission trip. He left heaven on a very intense mission trip, wouldn't you say? And now that he has saved us, he has now recruited us into that mission. So every single person here has been recruited into the mission of God. And Christ was never once a passive spectator, was he? Not once. Every single person, there was a place and there was a mission. Even if they responded or they didn't respond, he was always on mission. And so Christ began his ministry. Think about this. The moment that the Holy Spirit came down on him during baptism. You remember this story, right? He wits down in the water. John the Baptist says, I can't even untie your shoelaces, let alone baptize you. And then the Holy Spirit came down because Jesus was obedient to the commandment, right? It is good for me to get baptized. He goes in the water, and the Holy Spirit descends. And then what happens? Jesus' ministry begins, and the world is changed. We are not serving to make God happy. We are serving this life because that's what Christ did, in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, and all of our lives are changed. Look at verse, uh, John chapter twenty, verse twenty-one. He says on the, on the screen, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you." He didn't say, "I am sending the qualified." I'm not sending the people who went through school of ministry or have a seminary degree, he said, I am sending you. Who's you? Every single person in this room hearing the word of God. And so in what way is he sending us? Well, look at John chapter 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Isn't that an amazing verse? Because you would have loved it if he just said, look how I washed the disciples' feet and then cut the verse off right there, right? And then he goes on to say, no, but I've set the example. Now do this. Now do this. Now that I've shown you the way, do this. We are to follow Christ not just because he's good, but because that goodness changed us to become like Christ. You are the very image of Christ in this world. And think of how good the deed is. The good deed isn't the washing of the feet. The good deed is what it does to the person. The washing of the feet is just a conduit of grace, right? It's just that person stopping and letting another person take care of them for a moment. But what's happening in the the heart of the person on the other side? They're melting, the hard exterior of the walls that they have built up because the way the world has treated them starts shattering, why? Because the true love of Jesus Christ has come to their heart to invade their heart, to change their heart until they become just like his heart. And that is how ministry can change the world. And so when he says this is a good example, I want you to understand that he's saying this is what I've called you to do. So if you're in this room, how should you Should I serve? Will you ask that question to yourself? These are the qualifying reasons that Jesus has just given you today why you should serve. Number one, you're called by God. If you're interested to know what happens when you don't answer God's calling, look up Jonah for your homework. Just check that out and see how that goes for you. Number two, God is treating you like a coworker. Have you ever received a phone call from the boss? Hey, where are you? We're all here don't you just like scoot a little bit faster out the door? I know I have. I've been in that position, but I just, I say that funny, but I just know that the Lord has called you today. And he said, I want to do work with you. Will you meet him at the front lines of ministry? Look at number, number three. God has gifted you to serve. If you've been gifted, then you have no excuse, right? Well, you can't say that I'm unqualified. Well, he qualifies, He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies. He provides. If he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. How many times did Moses say, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, and he's like, listen, Fruit Loop, it ain't you, it's me. I'm the one that's gonna do all the work. You ain't gonna be part of no Red Seas. You're not gonna pull water from a rock, but I want you to be at the front lines of the ministry when I deliver my people and I have chosen you. Who are we to challenge God's authority on that? When the Lord shows up to you and says, hey, you know what? I want it to be you. And we say, no, we're not good. What you're really saying is, guess what? You're no judge of character. You're no judge of talent. You're no judge of me. And the fact is, there is only one judge of you who is accurate and pure, and it's Jesus Christ. And verse number four, it says, grace doesn't stop to us. It flows through us. We want to be more like God, number five, and starting with his heart for people. And so the same way that the Lord has changed us, we can change people. And, you know, sometimes we think it's outside of this wall. A lot of ministry takes place inside of this wall. And in, in, the, in the different places. It might be in the aisle. It might be in the small group that you're at. It might be uh, some other place where you're just like standing there having a coffee in the morning. And somebody's just sitting there with that off look in their eye. And you go, hey, is everything all right? It's time for you to hear the calling of the Lord to say, I have gifted you for this moment. I have called you for this moment. And I don't want the grace that has come to you to stop in this moment. I want it to flow through you. And don't trust yourself, trust me. Trust me. And so if anybody here is actually serving, I just wanna let you know, thank you so much for your service. We love you, continue to serve by leading, but don't bemoan the people that are not serving. Don't do that. Because I want to call out to the people that are not serving in this room. If you are in a place where you're not serving, and I don't mean like you're not serving like weekly. Like sometimes people come and join us um, when we do Day of Compassion one time a year. Or one time a year they go to the Freedom Fest because that's all they have. Isn't that a noble investment into the kingdom of God? If that's what you got. I want to tell you a story um, about my friend Chris and and his wife Megan. They joined um, over into the kids ministry and youth ministry. And they were in a particular season where they were free enough to, you know, serve. And then they had two babies. And guess what? We're we're not calling them to serve anymore. We're serving them. When you have four kids in the house, you are in a different season than some other people, Right? So guess what? Now ministry is not flowing at, from them. It's flowing at them, right? We're coming over. Hey, I got a lasagna. Can I help you out? Is there anything I could do for you? You want me to just hold this kid for a while? Is that what help you? To, you know, just, just to watch them sit down is a ministry, right? Just sit in that chair and don't move. You don't even have to talk to me. I'm just going to rock this baby. That's a ministry, right? And But I want to let you know, when we were talking about the everyone that is called, Sometimes there are exceptions to the rule. So if you are in a season where you can't physically do the service, that's fine. We're not calling you out. But we can't treat every single place of our life as an exception to the rule when God has used the unqualified, a group of fishermen, a tax collector, a guy that didn't even like Jesus, right? He tried to get him killed, right? God used every single person and not by their giftings, but by their calling. And he anointed them and appointed them for a season. And for that season, they did a great many things in different ways, in different places. And so I just want to let you know, if you are in this room and you don't know how to serve or where to serve, I want to challenge you today. That's okay to have that feeling. It's okay to be in that position. But would you join with your church? Would you find someone who is serving? Would you find someone like Pastor Craig or myself or Pastor Ryan? And would you partner with us and would you let us pray over you and find that place where you can serve so we could help the grace of God find its way through you and onto this world and change this community, change this church? You know, there's only one person at this pulpit, but there's many hands moving throughout this church that can lay hands and pray on people, worship with people, guide people, do life with people. And so I just want to let you know, from what we have just read, there's a great expectation that you will enter into the glory of God if you hear his call and you answer. So let us put faith to action together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much that you found us in our weakest moment and you loved us. And you called us and you guided us out of that place not just so that we could be saved, that we could be prepared, prepared to do ministry like you so that we could go on to save others alongside you, to go to the front lines of ministry. There's nothing more flattering in the world than it is for you, Jesus Christ, to call us off the bench and into the field and say, come, come with me, stand next to me, do work with me, be a part of the glory with me. So Lord, we just pray right now that we can't do this in our strength, so we pray for your strength. We can't do this in our own words, so we need your words. We want to bring glory to you. We want to honor you, but we have to first humble ourselves before you and answer the call. We bow our will to your will. And we watch as you plant a seed in the kingdom through your grace in our lives. We want to see a great harvest. We want to see The world change. We want to see this church change. We want to see our families change. We want to see our community change. But it starts by first hearing and listening and answering the call. We are not just Christians. We are Christ followers, and we are ready to follow you anywhere you go. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.